Hello, and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to a new Dialogues in Dermatology special series on leadership. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Chen. Join me as I interview leadership experts on topics ranging from negotiation, communication, and adaptability to help dermatologists become confident and successful leaders in the field. Welcome everyone to another episode of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Stephen Chen, and I am thrilled to be joined by Dr. Jeffrey Miller. Dr. Miller is the Associate Dean of Administration at Penn State College of Medicine and the Professor and Chair for the Department of Dermatology. Jeff, welcome to the program. How are you doing? Great and happy to be here. Wonderful. Well, we're going to jump right in, if that's okay, since we don't have a ton of time. Now, Jeff, our session today for Dialogues is titled Change Management, How to Be Flexible and Adaptable. You know, I think we always think about flexibility and adaptability as generally good traits to have, ones that we often see in letters of recommendation or when we talk about our wonderful colleagues. So maybe if it's okay, let's just start at a very basic level. When you're thinking of someone who's being flexible or adaptable, what does that actually mean to you? So being flexible and adaptable means two things to me. Number one, you have to know yourself. You have to know what your drivers are. You have to know who you are. You have to know what's your style when it comes to leadership. What's your style when it comes to decision-making? And you probably know what I'm going to say next. Number two is know others. Uh, By knowing others, you gain an appreciation for a perspective that you might not have, for an idea that you might not be aware of for a solution that you may not have entertained. And if you know yourself and you know others, I think that is the basis of being flexible and adaptable. And, you know, just to make it real, you know, I, I think about me and my wife. I tend to make decisions based on a strong sense of connection, emotion, making sure things feel right. My wife is more of, she likes to do things, understanding the why and the steps, a little bit more concrete. Oh, everything will work out, Kathy. Don't worry. Well, did we plan for X, Y, and Z? (laughs) Having that appreciation, and I'm not saying that we're perfect, but I want to use that as an example just in your home life, how being flexible and adaptable will help you move through issues and problems a little bit better. That's wonderful. I mean, I think that's a natural kind of thought process that even when I just looked at the title for what we're discussing today, I can't help but think about how many parallels exist between your personal life and your professional life and how they can really go to inform how you might carry yourself, how you might make decisions, how you might change your trajectory or your tack when you're approaching a problem. Can I ask a little bit in terms of focusing in on kind of the professional, I'd love to touch on the personal too, but focusing in on the professional part as a chair of a department, and let's say you're looking for new faculty, or you're trying to tap your existing faculty for new leadership positions. Obviously, it's great to have flexibility and adaptability, but what is it exactly that you're looking for that trait to bring? Is it more harmony in the department? Is it a a speed at which you can solve problems? Like, what are you hoping that those traits actually translate to 
down the line. So those traits of adaptability and flexibility promote teamwork, Stephen. The flexible and adaptable leader will create a safe environment for everyone to speak up. Will create a safe environment for people to voice their opinion. And that really brings a team together, it promotes a team culture where for me as a chair, it's not my way all the time. And just as an example, Stephen, I had a decision that I had to make and I was stuck on the decision of how we needed to move in a certain direction in this department. Mm-hmm. And I was really happy that some of the faculty spoke to me and said, Jeff, you're making these assumptions and maybe you need to be thinking about it differently. And that was really, really helpful for me to just uh, listen. And I think that ability to listen allowed me to pivot and say, you know what? My way is not the way. And I do think that as a team, we're making a stronger decision. And that is so critical when I'm looking for people to join our team. And I would encourage our listeners When you have people who are joining your team, who are the people that are open to creating an environment where they listen to their team members? They're not developing fixed ideas, fixed positions on issues and are willing to listen to one another. I call it the 70-30 rule. 70% of an adaptable, flexible person is going to be listening and 30% will be doing the talking. And just as another example, I'm just thinking of one of our future leaders, and she'll rise to the level of leading in dermatology in our country. But one of the things that we've worked on together is she teaches me to be faster because I take my time in making decisions. But I hopefully have taught her to be a little bit slower because she wants to make a decision right away. But I've taught her if you go more slowly, you're going to be able to move faster. So it goes back to what I was saying originally. It is really important for people who are flexible and adaptable to live that by creating a safe environment for people to speak up. And what does that bring for you as a leader? It promotes and develops a strong team. That's wonderful. I mean, I think the community that you build in a department or in any group Mm -hmm. is so important to this. And the camaraderie that you have in that group of people is so critical. It's really nice to hear you talk about how these traits of flexibility are really kind of hand in hand with that piece of it. Because obviously if someone knows that you're inflexible, you're not willing to listen, you're not willing to change your ideas, then they're going to be less inclined to come to you with their ideas or with their suggestions or whatever it might be. But I imagine a lot of work also goes into that. I'm sure a lot of work goes into building that type of community as well. Do you mind speaking a little bit about that? No, Steve, you talked about the work of that. And I think when you talk about change management and we're talking about adaptability and flexibility at its essence is culture, right? Mm -hmm. And you get the culture that you deserve as a leader and developing a culture takes time and have the humility to say that, you know what? I don't think I approach this change management issue the right way. What could I have done better? Hey, give me some feedback on what could have been done differently. And I think, you know, you have to have that humility to say, give me that feedback. And when you demonstrate that humility and that vulnerability, I think, again, it creates that safe environment where people then will also 
hopefully adopt a similar approach. And here's the one thing, and I want the listeners to all know this, in no way do I think that I have all this figured out. (laughs) And it is being in a leadership position, doing change management, it is tough, tough, tough. And all I can say is practice, 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 think about the process, get feedback, and you do get better over time. But it is not easy to unhook sometimes when you have an idea and your idea may be different than other people's ideas. I had one faculty member who was so absolutely right all the time. And I would always push back and I'd say, because you are absolutely right, that means all of us are absolutely wrong. And therefore, we don't have this gray zone for discussion. And that's at the heart of change management is when you create that gray zone where people are talking about the issue, listening to one another, respecting one another, and eventually you get to a decision. One of my mentors once said this, and he said, Jeff, it's democracy in action and dictatorship in decision-making. Because as a leader, you have to make a decision. And that is the hard part. But if you do it right, you'll get there. You're not going to make everyone happy. And that's hard for me because my style is, I want all the listeners to be happy today, you know, and really get a good message. But you can't, as a leader, make everyone happy. And you just have to accept that. But if you follow a fair process by being adaptable and being flexible, people will understand and appreciate the decision so long as they've been heard. That's wonderful. I will just say, I feel like I got so many pearls in <laughs> in the last minute or so. The, the idea of like living in the gray zone so that you can actually be able to make these changes and it's not black and white, it's not cut and dry. And the one thing you started with, which I love, is that you get the culture that you deserve. I think that's such a such a wonderful way to think about cultivating that sense of community and culture in your group is so important. If I may ask, as a chair, when you're thinking about cultivating that in your, you've, you've kind of detailed that with one particular person, but when you're thinking about cultivating that sense of camaraderie in your group and because it goes hand in hand with flexibility and adaptability, how do you go about actually trying to instill those ideas in your faculty, in your staff, um, in your residents, maybe even for the people who are a little bit more resistant to that to start off with? Maybe folks who are not quite as naturally leaning in that direction how can you help people realize that it's so critical to the overall mission of the department? That's what requires the work and the effort. And you accomplish that never fully um, because everyone is who they are, but you can get people to move by creating a relationship with those that you serve. It is sitting down with people and getting to know them professionally. You're not going to cross that personal barrier and understanding where they're coming from and asking the questions, why? Why are you thinking this way? And then just flipping it and saying, hey, I want you to listen now and say, would you entertain another way of approaching this? Is this really matters? Recently, we had a physician who was not happy with a program that we have in our department And the physician was relatively new and a great leader. He had this idea that something had to be a certain way. And it was my job to say, hey, this is part of our culture and it was built over time. Let's understand that. And I want you to talk to the people who have built this so that you understand that perspective and then say, hey, put your own stamp on this now, but do it respectfully. Mm -hmm. 
recognizing what went into this. But if we go into it right away saying something's not right, it's going to damage the culture. Does that yeah. make sense? No, absolutely. I, and obviously, so much of this really depends on that relationship that you have with this individual, how much time you spent cultivating that relationship and and certainly to a level, what level of trust each individual has in the other when they're speaking, I presume. I would love, if you don't mind, if you could try to flip that a little bit for someone like me, someone who's not a chair, someone who is a part of a department, for someone who is looking at their leaders and is, and I'm not trying to say that this is me, but just in general, for a person who's in a department where they wish that perhaps their own chair or their own direct supervisor could be a little bit more flexible and adaptable. Do you have any advice for someone in that position on how to potentially lead upwards or to manage upwards so that you can try to affect a little bit of change in that way? Yeah, managing up is a term that you hear in leadership, and it can be frustrating when your leader isn't communicating in a way that you feel is understanding of all the issues and maybe your issue in particular. So how do you create your relationship with the person that you're reporting to? And I think that takes some courage, right? Where you need to say, hey, I'd like to set aside some time to talk to you. Leaders are busy. We're all busy. (laughs) Be purposeful and deliberate and say, hey, I'd like to set up a a half hour time to talk through this issue. And remember the 70-30 rule. Go in and ask questions. Say, hey, I'd like to get your take on this. I want to understand your position. And then that gives you the opportunity to appreciate where they're coming from. You're practicing the adaptability and the flexibility approach of being a strong leader, listening to their perspective. And I'm going to tell you, leaders often feel lonely because it can be tough making decisions. Now, I'm not here saying, oh, I I love my job. I do love my job and I don't feel lonely, but you know, it's tough making decisions sometimes. And I think if you're managing up, meet with that person and say, hey, I'd like to hear where you're coming from. How can we create a win-win to make the department better? Know what that leader or your direct report, know what their incentives are to do well. And how is it that what you are doing will help them Find that win-win, you know, be problem solvers. And the last thing, my biggest piece of advice for getting into the head of a leader is don't be a problem identifier, be a problem solver. And, And that's really, really helpful. And the last thing I'll say is value is given to people who demonstrate value. And this applies outside of a departmental structure. You're running your practice. You're a leader. You know, you're running a lab, a Mohs lab. You're a leader in that Mohs lab. So this applies to all of us. Uh, as we lead our individual groups. When you're seeing patients, you have a a nursing MA team working with you. You're the leader. Are you going to create an environment for them that you're understanding their positions on how to solve an issue? You know, you get to practice it every day. My leadership coach told me every day is a playground to practice leadership, but you have to be deliberate about it. That's how you get better. You don't get better just by reading about it or listening to just this podcast, you will get better if you practice it each and every day. That's great. I think something that you said really is something that I identify with the idea of being a problem solver as opposed to a problem identifier. You know, I think it's even in my own experience, 
we switched. We had our own survey to help people identify problems with the department or the program or whatever it might be. But we realized that there was a lot of identification of problem, but never a suggestion on how to fix it. So then we changed the survey to say, what is the problem? And then question two, how do you propose we solve this? And that made it so much more fruitful of a conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think it really does make that person who's identifying the problems, something switches in their head to say, oh, right, I can also be contributing to the solution of this. And that's such a wonderful way to kind of get everyone on the same team, on the same page. Can I ask you, when you're thinking about trying to instill these values of flexibility with your team, whatever it might be, like you said, with your MA, with your with your MOS unit, whatever it might be, do you ever get to a point when you're trying to talk to someone and trying to convince them of the importance of this and you just think to yourself, oh my gosh, there's just no way I'm going to get through to this person. I just need to move on. Or do you feel like everyone will get there? It's just the amount of effort that it takes. Like It's just a question of time and effort. What's your take on that? Yeah. If you tried to get everyone on board, you probably wouldn't be able to move uh, yeah. effectively. <laughs> you probably heard of the saying, perfection stands in the way of progress. Right. So I am so fortunate that I have so many darn good mentors. And one of them is Jim Marks, uh, who was our former chair at Penn State in dermatology. And Jim would always tell me, you can't go at the pace of a naysayer. Hmm. So what I do find is that when we make decisions and we have naysayers who are good, because you got to listen to their point of view, if the decision is right, if the decision is just, often with time after the decision is made, the naysayers move along mm. and actually will become adaptable and flexible. But it was really important to listen to them in the beginning, right? They have to be part of the process, but you can't go at the pace of getting everyone on board. Otherwise, you'd be stymied. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just to bring it back home to what we started with, how much of this filters into the personal side, right? Like, I feel like we talk so much about the professional side. And really, I feel like our relationships at home with our kids, with our partners, that's like the proving ground where you're really trying to put some of this in action. But it's such a different environment. Do you feel like you're using stuff from home to bring to work and vice versa? Or are you really kind of like work is work, home is home? You know, this is a totally different ballgame. Yeah. So, so another mentor of mine who, who recently passed away, but their family left an endowment in the department is Warren Lewis. And Warren Lewis would lead us each beginning of the academic year for us in July when we bring on new new residents. We would do a trimetrics, I think it's called, or a DISC, D-I-S-C analysis. And we still do this on everyone. Mm. And, and, and that's a practical point. I don't know what tool people are using, but spend the time, whether it's true colors or DISC, that allows you to know yourself, but when you do it in a group, you know others now. Mm -hmm. so I have to speak so many languages when I'm in meetings. So that's like the foundation, Stephen, of how we started our year. And I forget, what was the, you had a question. I want to make sure I was leading to the next step. I was just curious how much of this is like swirling between the personal and oh, the professional. Yeah. yeah. So, so I want to make this connection. So Warren Lewis, who would lead us through this, like, know who you are, know who others are. It was a, It's a type of analysis that is uh, proven. He just taught us at an early stage that you need to be the same person you are at work as you are at home. Hmm. 
And he said, the moment that you have dissonance there, the moments when you are not being that same person, it usually creates a stress. And I'll give you just a personal example of me being someone who I was not. And I wanted to be a leader who was firm. I wanted to be a leader who was decisive. And I made a resident cry in public. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no is right. Oh, gosh. And you know what? Someone called me out and just said, Jeff, this is not who you are. What happened? And so I just want to stress the point that it's really important to be consistent. Know who you are and be that consistent person both in your home life and in your work life. Now, being flexible and adaptable for me personally has opened up my world. I love learning about other people, what other people are doing. And by being curious, you get to expand how you think about things, different points of view, whether it's religious, whether it's art. Someone might be an avid reader. What are you reading? Oh, I might want to read that book now. So by being that flexible and adaptable person in in my personal life, I hope that I've laid the foundation for my kids as they go through life is to respect others, listen to others. And by doing that, it expands your view on things. And it does help me appreciate the variety of viewpoints that I have to deal with every day. Because in addition to being chair, I lead the strategic planning process for our College of Medicine. And you can imagine the number of people who have different viewpoints. So I got to bring everyone together. Right. And, And then somehow move forward. But I love it because those viewpoints all matter. You got to give everyone that voice. And when I listen to people, sometimes I'm going to learn something that I never would have thought of. That's wonderful. I mean, I think what a way to highlight that the skills that we bring to the table in one domain are so rich and applicable to all the different areas of our lives, not just the professional, the personal, but there's just so many places that they really play a role. Jeff, this has been such a wonderful conversation, thinking about flexibility and adaptability in our leadership series. Before we sign off officially, I want to make sure that I give you one last moment and the floor if there's any other tips that you would give our listeners as they think about how they themselves can either become more flexible and adaptable or perhaps enact some change at home or in their work life. Yeah, change often brings stress. So when you're faced with change, take a deep breath. Don't be quick to react. Slow down. Remember who you are. Remember who the people are who are affected by the change. And then as you go through any change process, ask for feedback. That's like the best. Get some coaching. Say, what could I have done differently? And just try to go through all these change management issues that you will address with that 70-30 rule where you're listening 70% of the time and you're talking 30% of the time. And by doing that, I think that you will really be able to develop, as I try to develop, my flexibility, my adaptability. And in the end, you're going to have some really strong teams. And in the end, I also think you're going to make some really good moves to make things better. Wonderful. 
Jeff, thank you so much. I personally have learned a ton from you and just our time together. And I am certain that our listeners have as well. So to everyone who's listening, thanks for tuning in to this episode in the leadership series and dialogues in dermatology. Until next time. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. For more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcasts. We hope you enjoy these new options for listening to dialogues and the increasing content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.